TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here with you and boy, oh boy, Damien Christoph <laughs> weaving his technological magic. We are still live in Facebook land. He's without the ear AirPods. They're not on. Uh, it's frustrating him because he cannot get AirPods connected to Ecamm Live, connected to Facebook Live, connected to uh, Skype, connected to microphones, headphones and the rest. And I am so thrilled that for the 382nd time, despite the technological failings of 2020, he is still with us. Great man. How are you down there in Vic? Oh, great, PC. Great. Thank you very much. Um, feels weird because we've had a whole bunch of people watching this live and they know that we're now recording a second podcast. And so I don't want to say, oh, it's great to be here with you again, MP. It's always wonderful. But it is wonderful to be with you recording another podcast. For so those people that didn't watch us live, we do this live every week at 3 o'clock on a Wednesday live on 100 Not Out. Um, on our Facebook page, so you can go and watch it, and you might even be privileged enough to uh, to watch two podcasts like we're doing today, <laughs> which we are. This is our second one, so there we go. The Great days, do you remember the days when we would do thirteen episodes in two days, and I would fly down to Melbourne and we'd uh, hang out at Christoph HQ and we'd yep. sip on some nice wine at night, and you'd take me out, you'd take me out for dinner. Sons you might even bring Amber along, Sons and Mary. We'd get a, what are those orange alcoholic drinks called? We'd go get a um, uh, a Campari. Yeah, Campari. What are they called when you trick them up into a cocktail? What uh, are they called? Or maybe we were doing the number eight. We could have been doing a number no, eight. No, no. Listeners and viewers, what's it called? Oh, the Aperol Spritz. Aperol Spritz. Yeah, that's but it. Different, yeah. Is that yeah. different? Yeah, it's different. Clearly, but cheer them, aren't they? Oh. That was nice. We get that little mise platter thing that we'd have. And yep. was, so is it mise, not mezza, not mezza? I just said it because that's how you used to say it. That, <laughs> I don't know how you say it, but that's how you say it is mise platter. Oh, come off. I've never said mise platter in my whole entire life. Oh, I think so. You just did then again and so well. You say it so well. It's unreal. I'm uh, sure that you, that's how you say no. it. I, I would go with a mezza. Only because I would just be looking at the double S, the double Z, like a pizza. Yes. But I've always wondered: is a mezza or a mise? If you're going to go to that part, it's definitely not mise. Is it Italian, Greek, Turkish? If you're from a very upper class part of Melbourne, um, that you might have said mezza. And because I'm from a very poor part of Melbourne where I grew up, um, we would have said mise thinking that that was like Tajay or something like that. Maybe that's what was happening. So we were, you know, playing on words. Maybe that's what we did. You know, it's just like tomato and tomato, all those sorts of things. Maybe that's what's going on there, PC. Well, we're going to talk about uh, Noble Park versus Templestowe in just a moment uh, on a, in, a, in a serious topic. Oh, no. I've got to give yeah. a shout-out. I've just seen this on the Facebook Live comments. You can always yes. join us at 100 Not Out, all spelt out in, in the yep. letters. Debbie Bunyard, wow, I can't believe I've heard your podcast chat 382 times. Like, Mate. clap, 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 Debbie yeah. Bunyard. That's just how incredible. Do you, how do I do that? Or maybe I can do that. What do you want to do? Try and play a clap or something? <laughs> 
Yes, um, that's exactly what I want to do. I think there's something you can do, like as a yay or something. All right. Or wow. There's wow. Oh, you're going to try and do that in there. Oh, there you go. You're watching now. Loves. There we go. Hearts. Cuddles. Kudos. Kudos. Oh, you're making us look popular. When I see that, I think there's people watching. It's just you pressing buttons. Concentrate. Concentrate. I am. Good on you, Debs. Thanks for your support, Debs. And TP, thank you. Um, Yeah, good. Great. So, mate, let's talk about those statistics because at the end of the last podcast, you threw in this little curveball and we've shared the link to everybody um, on the live so they can actually check this out. Um, and it basically says that low-income earners are more likely to die from early preventable diseases. Now, there's no way that we can link this to um, communicable diseases. This is not that. This is not that. So communicable diseases would include COVID um, or the flu or AIDS or whatever else, right? So that's, that's not what this is about. This is about chronic diseases that are a result of lifestyle. Now, it used to be, it used to be that only the rich were overweight because they could afford to eat mm. food and they were eating heaps of food. And then at some point in the Industrial Revolution, that kind of changed and so that people could afford all kinds of things to put in their mouth that they might call food, mm. um, like Maccas, for example, which is not food, um, but they think that it is food and so they eat it and it fills their belly. Um, but it actually increases the risk of all kinds of issues, including diabetes, heart disease, and certain types of cancer. So that doesn't mean that if you're eating good food, you can't get diabetes, heart disease, and cancer, because you can. You can you can get all that sort of stuff. But what we're what this um, article talks about is that um, looking at socioeconomic status, they can predict that based on where you live, your income, all those sorts of things, the chances of you developing heart disease, diabetes, and certain types of cancer, um, or the chances of you smoking, or the chances of you being obese are greater if you come from a lower socioeconomic area. And I find this fascinating piece. Well, I I love your intro into all of this, and I think it's so important for people to recognize that we're not talking about communicative diseases. And uh, when you were talking about how it was only the rich that used to get fat, uh, I think people called it diseases of affluence um, yes. or nutritional extravagance. Yeah. Um, you know, and you mentioned Maccas, which, you know, many of us would call junk food and others would call it junk disguised as food. Yes. And I, I think is this kind of where where this is headed is that obesity is now no longer uh, a sign of social status. It's actually now available to people um, poor or rich, and I'm talking financially here, um, yep. It's not something that we can look at someone's body shape and identify their socioeconomic status. Um, is it? Is it? Uh, what do you call big pharma? Like, is it? Is big food the? Is big food the? Um, the fig. Uh, the the fig. Oh, before I ask the you food, that question, I might just secret. give people some numbers because I know people that are listening are going to go. Well, give me a bit more context to this, and please know that whenever anyone shares research, there's always like 99 pieces of research that. Aren't shared, so I just want to give a, an extension. Yes, Damo. And also, yeah. there's always outliers. So this is the bell curve, right? This is what we see. This is a bell curve, and there's always outliers. So um, I grew up in Noble Park. Trudy grew up in Keysborough. Um, Summer Daly might live somewhere else, and Wendy, you know, lives in Wheelers Hill. And you know, Piercy grew up in Templestowe. Um, and and there's always a bell curve, you know. So there's 
you know, people don't always fit into the bell curve. But when you analyze the statistics from an area, then you see these trends, and that's really what it is. So at the moment, the most disadvantaged, and this is just reading off a graph, the most disadvantaged people uh, are about 290 uh, deaths per 100,000 people, and the least disadvantaged is at 150. No, but that's that's from early deaths. That's early deaths yeah, from major deaths chronic diseases. Under, under, 75, under 75 from major chronic diseases. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, absolutely. so you can almost say, if we were just going to round it out, which... I will for a moment. 300, 300 deaths per 100,000 are coming from the most disadvantaged people and 150 deaths are coming from the least disadvantaged. And we're yeah. talking socio-economically. Yeah. Almost 10 million Australians with low incomes have much greater risks of developing preventable chronic diseases and of dying from these earlier than other Australians. 10 million Australians is, is, is about 40% of the population. Mm. Mm. So we're not talking just a little bit here. People living in the two lower socioeconomic quintiles, the poorest 40% of the population, are much more likely to be obese, less likely to exercise, much more likely to smoke, yep. and the rest of it. So, does it come down to food or is it... Is it I know this is a Dorothy Dixer because you know where I sit on this, but is it is it largely food or is it more family upbringing and and I don't know like how to live how, how you know how to live um, advice from your parents and your peers like or is it not even necessary trying to find a single cause? Yes, I think it's not necessary to try and find a single cause, and the reason why I say that is because there's nature and nurture, so we're it's and they're not mutually exclusive. So we will see that some people with genetics. Um, may present in a particular way for a period of time, um, you know, in their lifetime, and then at some point in their lifetime, they make a shift and it's all different. Take, for example, our great mate, Stewie Goff. Mm. So, Stewie Goff, massive shift, massive change, massive turnaround. Take our great friend, Wendy Stewart. So, Wendy, at some point, started off her journey in a particular way, then at another, you know, point in her life, she decided to make a change um, and Look, look at the amazing, you know, impact that that has made on her life and her, her well-being. And the same as that whole group of people, you know, Summer Daly, she's the same. So all these people that we know have started in a particular direction. Now, whether that was genetics or whether or not that was nurture, so nature or nurture, um, that got them to the point, they were able to reverse it and turn it around. You know, that's, that's what I'm saying. So there's a lifestyle learned behavior that becomes the normal and that lifestyle learned behavior um, that becomes the normal can either be stuck to um, or can be moved away from. Now, if it's a negative lifestyle learned behavior and it's and and it serves the person financially to continue to be in that way, or it becomes too expensive to go down. Like I just went to Coles before because we we're you know, just trying to get some food. And so I bought an avocado. I don't know how much avocados are in Queensland at the moment. How much are they right now? I got a bucket for $7 yesterday. I bought one today for $3.50. Oh. Right. So one avocado for $3.50. So, you know, for the profiteering big companies out there, the FIG, the food industry group, and Coles and Woolworths, uh, while you're selling one avocado for $3.50, um, and people can buy a bucket for seven dollars. Um, what you're doing is forcing people to go and buy a burger mm. with the lot, 
plus bonus chips and an upsized Coca-Cola and you're contributing to the obesity epidemic because they can buy that for $5.99. Yeah. Um, and, and so what's happening here is you've got Coles and Woolworths, these big companies that won't sell high-quality foods in their supermarkets at a price that's affordable and the high-quality foods that they sell, they price outside of the market for people who need to eat that food and they don't make it available for people. So just for the sake of making a big buck. Now, the other thing that happens is that when those foods go rotten, so because people don't want to spend $3.50 on avocados that are rock hard, by the way, if you threw them, you'd kill someone. Um, (laughs) They they don't want that. So they'll leave them until they're about to turn and then they'll chuck out half of what they had on the rack because they all went off. And they don't give them to the poor people that are begging out the front of coals. They chuck them in the bin. They chuck them oh, in the bin. Not even Oz Harvest gets their hands on them, do they? No one. Nah, because nah, it's fresh and, you know, it's risky and it might have diseases and mold and all that sort of stuff. And so, you know, the other day they had sandwiches. They've obviously bought these sandwiches for an amount of money. They, st- they sell for $4 normally, sandwiches, white bread sandwiches with ham and cheese in it. Four bucks for a ham and cheese sandwich. <laughs> It was past its use by date. Oh, no, I think it was on its use by date. It was marked down to 50 cents. So I bought two of them and I gave it to the um, the person sitting out the front of Coles, you know, begging. Oh, you um, are okay. a legend. What two a cents. legend. It cost me $1, but Coles would have chucked out the rest of them. That's the thing, right? They're already making a loss. So just feed the poor people. And if they did that or if they just wanted to move more product and just make it a little bit more affordable – they would have stopped people from going to Maccas and KFC. And if they wanted, if they really wanted to fix the problem, then our, you know, our man who lives in the other side of the world, who's the face of Coles, what's his name, Curtis? Curtis <laughs> would be doing shopping demonstrations and showing people how to shop and cook great meals that doesn't cost them a whole lot of money um, and it'd be way better. But Coles and Woolworths, you've got it screwed. You've stuffed it. I reckon when you and I become joint prime ministers of Australia – I'll be your uh, right-hand guy because you're definitely the front man. But I reckon that Coles and Woolies should subsidise or distribute evenly all of their food which doesn't sell to the people that can't afford it, don't have the means for it. And they get, I don't know if you call it food stamps, I don't know what the word is, but they should be able to get healthy food yeah. At free or zero free. or very low price or just free, yeah. but that removes yeah. the temptation, not even the temptation, not the word. It's almost, you could argue, removes the necessity for them to go yeah. and buy less healthy food for yeah. the same price that, yeah. that keeps them stuck in not just a paradigm, but also in a health pattern, which is going to create yeah. a premature death. Yep. Yeah. So you look at, you look at um, what they've got here in these graphs. There's this little target 2025. Yep. Yeah. You saw that? Yeah. So in that line, target 2025, the only people um, that kind of come into that target 2025 are those that are least disadvantaged. The rest of the population, the rest of the population outside of the least disadvantaged don't actually make it under those under those lines, mm-hmm. um, the target 25, um, in, in most of, the, of, of these little graphs. In fact... Which I think all- is only about 10% of the population. That least disadvantage. Yeah. You know, the most disadvantage of forty percent of the population, the rest is sixty. Yeah. So let's just yeah. let's just have now, a stab and say now, no. let me so there was discussion 
there was discussion. I'm going to raise this, and um, I'm going to raise this. There was discussion recently that um, said that if the COVID vaccine came out, if people decided to not take or have the COVID vaccine, then they would, then they may not be able to access food stamps. So that was something that was said, and uh, and that you know that piqued my interest because I was like, wow, far out. That would mean that in order to get a vaccine that was rushed through, because um, at that time it was going to be rushed through, in order to get a vaccine that was rushed through, you'd have to, you know, trust that it was going to be safe. And if you didn't trust it, then you may be disadvantaged in the future and you may not be able to get food. So that for me was like a really big thing. Like, and I was quite shocked by that. So in, unless the government wants to do something significant, and that is to, you know, encourage healthy eating to make it more affordable, um, I, I can't see this being something that's going to change much. And forcing people to take a medicine um, that may or may not be proven safe yet or effective yet, um, or they don't get fed, is just fear mongering. And I just, I just don't think that's a really um, humane thing to do. I know we put, uh, yeah, some vaccines are next to whether you can get your kids educated or not, but it just doesn't seem fair that you should connect vaccines to whether you get access to healthy food, food or not. Let's just uh, yeah. switch tack a bit because a great comment's come in from Kate uh, Hessen, and I'd love to bring this up with you, Damo. Kate, thanks for listening, Kate. Kate says, education from your upbringing. My family grows all their own food, and I grew up helping. Now I'm a poor student. I have the knowledge to grow all my own veggies on my balcony, which saves us money. What about yep. in Ikaria? They are generally not the wealthiest money-wise, but they are self-sufficient using knowledge passed on, and they're pretty healthy. Absolutely. The island where people forget to die. That upbringing side of things, um, Kate's had, let's call it, the ideal Nirvana-like whole foods upbringing which i'd like to think yeah. jackson's had and uh my yeah. kids are having at the moment yeah. um doesn't last pc i'll tell you i still can't teach my kids how to keep a, a plant alive but i'll leave that to sebe and that's why i take them to Ikaria. but um yeah. you and i both grew up on white bread um yeah. so and rice bubbles so we're probably more the stewie goff wendy steward mold where we've at some point in our life made a transformation in our lifestyle yeah what, what's your experience um naturally i think we're all biased in saying that yes you know having a healthy culture within the family is uh not the shortcut but it's the most sustainable way to um over the long term improve these statistics do you think it takes a health crisis or something quite acute as it did for you and i to change your lifestyle um, to then raise healthier human beings, or do you think it's something that can be done, you know, slowly but surely over time? Uh, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, the thing I see the most in practice, and I have over the years, is the struggle of it. So the ability to get the job done, and then complete that job. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. you got to get it started, and then you've got to get the job done. And then you got to keep it going. You know what I mean? Like it's just not tick and then return back to the way things were. And the longer it takes to get to the point that you've got the job done, the harder it is to actually kick it off. Mm -hmm. So it's got to happen earlier in your life. So I look at people, when I did Downsize Me, for example, the people that have been the most successful in Downsize Me were younger. The older people that were doing it found it more difficult. It's more mm -hmm. challenging. Um, you know, even in practice today, uh, when I do help people out from a nutrition perspective or even a lifestyle perspective, the younger people that come into my practice get it. They get it. 
Like they, they make the change and they keep it going. But the 40, 50, 60-year-old people, they're often harder to um, bring on the journey, I suppose, is what I'd su- suggest there, like to, to help them come along. And I don't want to use the word convince because that's not my job. Like my job's, you know, really to show them that there's a possible way in which they can stay better and get better uh, or get better and they stay better. Um, but it's it's more difficult to to help those people that have been set in their ways for a longer period of time. So, And there's no major catastrophe in their life that would be the impetus for a, a radical shift. Now, that's right. But when the major catastrophe happens, quite often, like it's, if you have a heart attack, bang, start the stopwatch. Because at that point in time, so much damage is done to your mind, to your heart, to your whole health and well-being that all you're doing now is living in fear and hoping you don't have another heart mm. attack. So all of your decisions are based on fear. On that, yeah, wow. Now, Ikaria, um, their decisions aren't based on fear. So, yes, we can talk about food and all that sort of stuff, but PC, you and I have been to Ikaria, and, yeah, they eat okay, but they're not having smashed avocado on rye bread with, you know, two poached eggs every day. No. Like, that's – it's not high-quality nutrition. Yes, yeah. it's from the land, and, yes, it's seasonal, and – Yes, we talk about it, but when we talk about nutrition from Ikaria or Sardinia or Okinawa or any of these other places that are blue zones, nutrition is not the most, the single most important feature of longevity, mm. um, but it is a feature of decreasing the risk of preventable diseases mm. um, that are associated with aging because of you know, you know, degeneration. So that's you know, that's what I'm saying. So I'm gonna just uh, just kind of. Uh Bring this episode to a slow conclusion because I really want to keep on talking about this. I feel like when you talk about Ikaria, and I'm going to kind of raise the challenge, and we've raised it before on this podcast, that the socio and socioeconomic is probably the bigger factor in people's physical health because we've already been sharing examples of people that don't have money but can still live healthy lives, don't have much money. As Kate earlier said, she's a poor student, yeah. but yeah. she she was raised a certain way, which you could say in Ikaria is very uh, – that's their way. It's not about financial wealth, but it's yeah. their social life, their family culture is all intertwined with the fact that they have a fierce love and pride in their Icarian ways. I love you because you love – one of the reasons why I love you, Damo, is you love Melbourne, you love Bayside, you love your community. You know me, I say moving up to Byron was the best decision I've ever made in my entire life because of the spin-off effect of it all. Of, of it all. My yeah. challenge to all of the listeners and the viewers is to ask yourself the hard question, do you love where you live? That's the socio in socioeconomic. Do you love your neighbours? Do you love walking down your local cafe? Do you love the park? Do you love going for a run where you run or walk where you walk? And if you don't love the socio part of your life, put the mm-hmm. economics to one side for a moment, what are you prepared to do to be in the love side of socio? Because that is way harder than than food and nutrition. Food and nutrition is available anywhere. Loving that feeling of belonging, that feeling of community is way bigger. <laughs> you will oh. learn all about this in this book. <laughs> You will learn all about this in this book, exceptional. How to make the rest of your life the best of your life by Mark, by Marcus Piff. Let me tell you. Let me tell you this. This is oh dear. It's rocket science, but everybody can read it. It's unbelievable. It's the best. I love it. Can't put it down. I'm finding it a long read because I'm reading every single word of it, and I love it to bits. And so, anyway, I um, 
I've cut out 10,000 words. There's got another 10,000 to cut. Have you? Yeah. A couple of viewers here have actually been reading the manuscript for me. Big shout out to Laura Barry and Peter Lennon, who I can see here, also uh, have read it. So, sincere gratitude. Um, We'll be out. I think I'm planning September. Nice. Maybe in line with, uh, you know, when everything hopefully, hopefully is somewhat back to normal. Well, the Wellness Summit will be then, won't it? Wellness Summit. Oh, we won't. We're just working through those. Uh, your mate Dan has kind of just made a few things. Just we're in think mode at the moment as we record who, this. Who, let's do a little vote. Who here would be so happy if they could buy a copy of Marcus's book at the Wellness Summit in September? <laughs> Everyone would be. <laughs> like, oh, I just got a little biased crowd here, but uh, thank you, everybody. Thank you. Um, anyway, that, those those stories, uh, those uh, announcements will be made in due course. Damo, we have uh, we've been generous with our um, timing. We're normally around twenty minutes. We're at twenty five. This is good. We could keep on banging on about this for yonks. It's a fascinating conversation. Something that I think our viewers and listeners have enjoyed. I think we kind of immerse ourselves in this in Ikaria when we are watching the the healthiest, some of the healthiest people on the planet, you know, live their lives. I know you have a great. Um, I call it the injustice of food prices. Uh, burns in your heart and soul, and it it's often avocado. It does it burns? It you know. burns, and obviously I've had personal experience with it too. So having had experience with that, you know, I, it makes me even more upset about it. So I really think that somehow we've got to rally and and try and create some change. I'm not anti big business. I am pro big business mm. because without big business, we don't have people employed. But what I'm anti is. The, the cost of the, the cost of healthcare in Australia as a result of profiteering, um, and so make other stuff more expensive and make the stuff that's going to help us be healthy more affordable. I've just come up with one other policy for when you become PM and I'm your chief political advisor. Yes, you know how inflation is uh, judged and based on like a, a, a basket of goods, goods, like yeah. bread, yeah. milk, whatever. I yeah. think we need to simplify. Uh, the inflation index and it's just the price of one avocado society and entire cost of living yes. only needs to come down to the price of one avocado yes. in coals or woolies not at my farmer's market where kate my beautiful avocado grower can give me a bucket of seven or eight avocados for seven dollars and she'll give me a little couple of bonus ones because she's like you got a family to feed she just you know nips me a couple and a couple of mandarins and the rest but the price of one avocado is going to be the new price, the new index uh, when when you and I rule the country. Yeah, I like it. But you know what? Bread and milk hasn't really changed that much over time. You can still buy one dollar liter, you know, one dollar a liter milk or two bucks a liter milk, like whatever it is. It's just shit of milk. It's just it's not, it's not good quality milk. You can still buy it. Same as bread. You can buy bread cheap. So if you're using the bad stuff as your measure, yeah. CPI doesn't look bad. But mm. <clears throat> look at lettuce or bok choy um, or tomatoes uh, or kale. <laughs> kale. Kale used to be adorned as a as a as a decoration around the supermarket. You couldn't buy it; it was just there as decoration. Now it's like yeah. five it's, bucks. It's the most expensive like, green on the shelf. Oh, mate, it's ridiculous! It's ridiculous. So, and you're not even meant to have a raw. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Exactly. All right. Anyway. Fun and games. Um, Get all my right. Point. 
You get my point. Absolutely. Brody. And I think we need more people like you that, that emotionally feel the injustice of food prices. I don't know. I think the only way we can ever have pull on this demo is if we run for government or if we run in our local shire or something. I don't know if I could win in Byron. I'm not green enough. I'm, I'm, I'm too light green. I need to be darker green to have any chance of being, uh, you know, politically successful here. You'd, you'd be perfect in Bayside. You'd what win, if, hands down. What if I, um, what if I became a CEO of Colt? That'd that'd be good, but then you'd have a war against Woolies, and then you'd be biased because, you know, you might become tainted oh, with profits and yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. You know, you're a man of the people. You're more, uh, I say it in the nice possible way. You're more politician than uh, director or managing director of of a Coles or Big Food. Mm. Unless it was forage, which I'm still enjoying every weekend with the kids, soaking our forage bircher. Wow. Took wow. it down to Coffs Harbour last week. The kids wow. had it every day for five days in a row, soaked it in coke and uh, maca milk because uh, shout out to nice. Clinton and Tracy Hayes, um, wow. who have the Govita in Coffs Harbour. Got some maca milk from their store, soaked the Govita with a bit of coyo. Um, Soaked the forage. Yeah, soak the forage bircher in the yeah. coyo. Didn't smear yeah. any coconut oil on my face whilst I was down there. Just just used coconut, yogurt, maca milk, and enjoyed the beautiful, beautiful forage oh, bircher. Oh. I think I'm down to the last four kilos or so. Starting you know, to become oh, more nostalgic. I found, I found it in the yeah. back of my cupboard. I was going to get a hang Yeah, yeah no worries. Whilst Damo goes looking for bircher, anyone else here watching or listening that has got a little bit of bircher left, uh, it just becomes a little bit more nostalgic with every mouthful. The kids don't understand it. They don't understand it. There'll be no more once the birch is gone. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Where was that hiding? Is that past its uh, best before or is that ready to rock? Um, oh, well, you know, March wasn't that long ago. So, you know, we will still be able to eat it. It'll the- still be all right. Look what I found. This oh, is- get in there. Unbelievable. That won't be in the $1 bargain bin at Coles. No. That'll be, be in your guts. Um, I've seen uh, Laura Barry said here, I haven't found a breakfast alternative yet that I like. Uh, she said, I miss forage so much. When he said, I have forage still. So a mm. few people that have a few last kilos left. Mm, you know, it's absolutely. becoming more Loch Ness by the day. Just, yeah. just we've got sightings, but soon enough. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're getting a bit nostalgic to all of our yeah. lovely listeners and viewers of this Facebook Live and people like Debbie Bunyan that have listened to all 382 episodes of 100 Not Out. Thank you for your love and Thanks, loyalty Debs. and support of this aging gracefully message. No matter what age you're at, we're all aging. Yep. It's a matter of whether yep. you're doing it gracefully or not. Um, for more on the great man that is Damien Christoph, head on over to DamienChristoph.com, myself, MarcusPierce.com.au, to Joseph Tomei, our editor, Cielo, who does all of our social media, Annie Council, who looks after our Instagram account, at 100.notout. She makes the most beautiful photos look even more beautiful in there. Uh, make sure you join us on Facebook at 100.notout. Spell it out, all the words on Facebook. Until next time, folks, thanks for your love and support. Stay safe and make the rest of your life the best of your life. Bye for now. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.
Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.